Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This fan base is amazing. The city of Cincinnati is amazing. And I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Desmond fakes a handoff run to the right. He's got all sorts of room to the 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown! Howdy folks, welcome back to Viva La Cats. I am your host, Justin Hiles, and my friend Steve is not here today, but we are making our third stop on the Big 12 Truck Stop Trail. That's right, the Big 12 Truck Stop Conference. It's a thing. We represent Cincinnati for the 1012 Network, and we are joined today by another 1012 Network show, Bosco's Boys, representing K-State. We have Scott from Bosco's Boys, so stay tuned for that one. It's fun. It's going to be exciting, and you'll get to learn a little bit about K-State, Emal, Willie, and maybe some Chiefs talk, too. <laughs> Have fun. Hey there, Bearcats. Welcome back this week on the Big 12 Truck Stop Trail. Uh, again, we are the Truck Stop Conference, and we're sticking to it. We have Bosco's Boys. We have Scott McFarlane of Bosco's Boys. You can find him at Scott Wildcat. Very straightforward, and at Bosco's Boys for the handles there. Uh, they are an affiliate of the 1012 Network, as are we, and their specific affiliation is to uh, K-State. Uh, well, well, I guess if that's official or not. Uh, <laughs> they are affiliated in fanship with K-State, so we'll put it that way. Uh, Scott, nice to have you on. Hey, I'm pumped to be on. I'm, I'm pumped to come on any show associated with the 1012 Network, and I believe this is the first one of all the new schools I have been on, so... You know, you, you beat BYU to the punch, beat Houston to the punch, beat UCF to the punch, all the four mountain, you know, weirdos <laughs> coming along as well. So uh, I'm, I'm slowly ticking off every single or checking off every single 1012 network podcast. You're the first of the new ones and, I, and I'm pumped to come on. And quite frankly, I'm pumped Cincinnati is uh, in the conference. You know, I've I've uh, said a few things that have made uh, Houston and UCF fans a little mad uh, about maybe I don't think they should have been added. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I have said that, but I have not ever said that about uh, University of Cincinnati. So well, we'll uh, take I'm that as a compliment. <laughs> I'm pumped to be on. I questionable head coaching hire, in my opinion, uh, for football, but uh, I'm happy you guys are here. Uh, likewise, we're definitely happy to be here. Uh, it, it's been a it's been a gauntlet of a past year of just like, you know, riding the highs of like getting into the Big 12, finding out like exactly how fun that's going to be and then finding out the reality of it's probably not going to be as fun. Uh, <laughs> I think we all understand that there's a bit of uh, talent scaling. There's a bit of competitive scaling when it comes to what we've been used to and what we're going into. Um, and of course, 
everybody uh, new to the conference is going to figure that out really fast. Um, I think there's a certain there's a certain attitude that the rest of the uh, existing Big 12 members might have where they might see it. it's like, okay, they know what they're at. They know who they're, you know, comparatively to. And so I think we're just in that question mark zone where we're waiting for September to just get around here so we can get this thing rolling and find out what we've got, uh, especially for a team like Cincinnati where there are so question mark, uh, so many question marks. But Scott, specifically for you, I wanted to ask uh, with Bosco's boys, kind of how did it come around and specifically like what are your ties to K-State? Uh, basically, why am I talking to you here? <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'm a third generation Wildcat graduate. My grandfather got a master's degree of education. My dad and all both of his brothers graduated from K-State with their undergrad. Uh, I graduated from K-State. My little brother graduated from K-State, got his uh, post-grad degree at KU. He's actually a KU fan, house (laughs) divided. My mom was the baby Jayhawk mascot uh, when she went to KU. So, uh, you know, I'm a passionate K-State fan, you know, grew up in the, you know, stereotypical house divided that kind of entrenches me, you know, kind of quips back and forth with my cousins and all that type of stuff. Uh, So just a passionate K-State fan. And I grew up wanting to be a sports talk radio host. Uh, I listened to DA uh, in, in the morning on 610 radio in Kansas city. Uh, he goes, you know, I was like, man, this is what I want to do. And and then I somehow convinced myself, Oh, if you're, if you're being a sports talk host, you have to be unbiased. You have to just straight <laughs> down the middle, like me being this kid thinking all this stuff. And well, that's BS. And then yep. I kind of like, Oh, they also don't like make any money unless they make it to the big time. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to get my degree in finance. I'm going to just have some corporate job and enjoy being a sports fan. Um, my uh, second cousin, Grant, who who was a former co-host of the show, he was a co-founder of the show. Um, he texted me uh, while K-State's in the NCAA tournament before they go on an Elite Eight run without Dean Wade. And he, and he says, all right, hey, l- let's start a podcast. And I say, look, if we lose to UMBC, a 16 seed, being the second ever team to lose to a 16 <laughs> seed, I don't, I don't want to do it. We'll, we'll wait and, and we'll do it before football season. We beat uh, the Retrievers. We Our very first episode was a Sweet 16 preview with the Kentucky Wildcats. We win that game. We both book flights to Atlanta thinking, hey, we're about to go to the Final Four only to lose to Sister Jean uh, in, in the Loyola um, Chicago. And it was devastating. But from that moment on, we were hooked. Um, been doing it for over five years. Uh, it's been over five years having at least one episode every single week. It's been nice. just me for the last two and a half years. Uh, but I love I love doing it. I love talking about K-State. Uh, enough people listen that, hey, you know, it, it makes it even more fun. We've built a really fun community. We call them the boneheads. Yeah. Um, so it's 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 just a, a fun community. And, and, and that's where we're at. And uh, I don't know how long I'm going to continue to do it. It's just me. It's a lot of work, but right. as long as it's still fun, I'm going to keep doing it. And I don't know if that's going to be another five years or another five months, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's a labor of love for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's the way it should be. You know, that's, that's the best part about this is being a diehard passionate uh, fan from birth of your school. I think there's a lot of uh, tweeners for a lot of people who just don't really know where they sit. And so when you're guys like us who, 
uh, grew up around it, are second generation, third generation type, uh, you know, graduates of those universities they love. Uh, it makes it all the more fun to talk about this kind of stuff. Um, yeah, you did make a very I, good point about the uh, 2018 team that uh, that that tournament and that quadrant of the bracket we also did not have a fun time we're not going to get into any sticky details on that but we really saw the path it was mm, you know beat a few teams beat k-state and we're in the final four uh so we had the aspirations too if it makes you feel any better for the final four that year you guys just uh didn't crash and burn quite the same way that we did regardless of yeah. that uh yeah it, so this is this is kind of you know on the cincinnati trail here um, we want to know for a K-State fan, you know, you mentioned uh, being excited for Cincinnati. What is the thing about Cincinnati that um, would make you gravitate towards them? And, and why are you excited for us to join the conference? Yeah, I, I think it really kind of comes back to your guys' history and you guys having an engaged fan base uh, in, in both sports. Like, so Nippert Stadium, it's like one of those cool, classic, on-campus type stadiums. And I'm also like a big MLS fan, so I also kind of have memories of FC Cincinnati starting off in Nippert Stadium and the Bailey and all that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's a cool stadium. There, there are games, and it doesn't matter what conference Cincinnati has been in because, you know, the, the, there were some bouncing around, you know. In your, what, in your lifetime, this is your fourth or fifth conference that cincinnati's been in yeah uh, just about <laughs> yeah I, I, I my math might be off a little bit but you know you, you have kind of memories of oh just like a a night game and it, and it could be a ranked game or hey maybe it's just a random game that's on a weeknight but the fans seem to pile in there it seems to be a fun atmosphere in in the idea of like oh a bear cat oh it's like what the hell's a bear cat and it's like a fun <laughs> logo so there's like all those kind of like small things but then you have uh, you know, the history with the basketball program, like, hey, you know, you've had some very high highs in both sports, uh, a passionate fan base, uh, a shared love of Bob Huggins, you know, um, <laughs> it, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, he he left K-State for another job, left uh, you guys under uh, a problem that you seemingly has never been able to kick. But uh, it, it's, it's just, the, there's a lot of pedigree in both of the big sports with a seemingly passionate fan base. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I think, I think when you kind of take a step back and you look at conference realignment for the big 12, where uh, up until the pack schools have come over, it's kind of been like, okay, we're elevating some of these teams. And um, I don't think, and I'm not going to make any friends like when TCU is elevated. Yeah. Their football program was great, but I, I don't think their fan base has ever gotten to the point where, Oh, this fits in with this super right. passionate conference. Mm -hmm. and, and I think UCF. Yeah. Okay. The bounce house it's getting there, but it's not like there's this long history of it. Granted young right. school. Uh, it, it is what it is. And Houston's never had that. <laughs> uh, so, so I, I get excited again. I'm not, I'm not making any friends. Houston's catching uh, strays, but we, th we shoot them out too. So yeah, it's it, very it, fair. And I want to give a shout out to, the, uh, I think it's the Scott Holman podcast and yeah. the 1012 network. I went on their show. So I lied. I, I did <laughs> go on their show before your guys is sorry. I'm a liar. Uh, and, and, and they're fun, but, but there's just something about Cincinnati uh, that, that is like, okay, Hey, they truly belong now. Right. Uh, will you hit the ground running in either of the sports my my prediction is probably not, but I, I have no <laughs> doubt that you will get there, and the fans kind of fit it. It's you're not going to have to grow into being a Big Twelve fan base. 
Right. And, and that's definitely a thing I think we see ourselves as too, is like, you know, looking at, you know, BYU, they have a very passionate, very dedicated fan base. There's nobody who's ever going to knock them for that. UCF, I think we've started to see a lot of that too. Um, as we've kind of grown accustomed to them, I think their ramp up, uh, you know, towards their run that they wished to have made the college football playoff. That's where we really started to feel the heat of like UCF fans and acknowledging that they existed because, you know, they were there, but it, it we just didn't feel that in the same way. Um, and of course, you know, with Houston, it, Houston is Houston. <laughs> Regardless, I, I think that's one of those things where, again, like we see ourselves and we have seen ourselves since the splintering of the Big East as a team that belongs in that, you know, in, in that group. And we want to be on the inside. We want to be in that club. And so waiting in the American for as long as we did was tiresome, but it is a big payoff. And it's like, all right, all these years, you know, and all the trials and tribulations of just having to sit through playing high school gyms, you know, every single week, having to sit through playing empty stadiums every single week. Nippert's been like the pinnacle of that. The fifth third arena has been the pinnacle of that in our conference. And so being able to go to a conference where other teams match that energy. And quite frankly, as we all would probably maybe not admit to, because we're still getting there, but it's very clear other teams do that even better than us when it comes to especially basketball. Like, I mean, we bring the heat and we try to every week, but like, this is the thing that we're so excited about is because we know that our arena is going to be rocking every single time. Um, and, and so speaking, uh, you, you kind of mentioned a little bit of the realignment. I don't want to go into a full on thing. Cause that would, that could take hours. That's, that's just a, that's just a whole mess. But um, I, I guess essentially what I would ask you is what was your knee jerk reaction when when the four teams got added and then what was your knee jerk reaction when this cycle, another four teams, the four corners have been added. Yeah. When uh, I, I was livid, I, I, I was like tinfoil hat. I, I thought that ESPN, the athletic were trying to kill off the big 12. And and when the remaining eight teams rallied together and said, okay, Hey, we're going to do yeah. this. I, I think it was obvious that there was no part of me that thought I, I thought it was always going to be Cincinnati, BYU, and UCF. I always I, I, I knew from the jump, hey, it's gonna be these three schools and it's gonna come down to Memphis, Yukon, and Houston. Uh and, and we ended up with Houston. Ultimately, I think it was the right call. Uh I don't think Memphis has any sort of real institutional a desire to be a big time player, you know, FedEx can say, Hey, we might cut some checks. <laughs> There's nothing about the athletic department, despite Laird Veach leading it. And he's a former K state guy that they, they don't do what it takes to be up at that level. At that time, UConn uh, football was talking about dropping down to FCS level instead of going independent. Uh, I I don't think that they were really an option. So it made sense as the four schools. I was excited. Um, I I always kind of had a vision of like, okay, you know, could we be going West? Like what's going to happen with right. the PAC 12? And I had a little bit of apprehension of adding Cincinnati and UCF because it is kind of, yes, West Virginia is out there, but it does kind of create an imbalance uh, with having just three out there. Um, but ultimately, I, I thought to myself, okay, these are the four best schools uh, to to solidify the Big 12 in their future. Right. Um, fast forward, uh, USC, UCLA are going to the Big 10. 
uh, instantly, at least in my corners of K-State fandom, the infatuation of the four corner schools. I tried to say the four mountain schools. That's what I was calling <laughs> them until the four corners started taking over. I, I'm a bit of a geography person. I was like, it can't be the four corners <laughs> if there's no New Mexico. Right. Um, but ultimately, that became the apple of everyone's eye. Um, throughout the process, I got annoyed with Utah. I didn't want Arizona State at some point. Uh, Colorado by itself, they came over by themselves. I said this would be a failure in a in a bad move if you can't get Arizona as well. When it was looking like it was going to be Colorado and UConn, I was like, well, this was a mistake. Yeah. This was your Mark's mistake. But you end up getting all three of or three more to come, and uh, it, and it makes sense. And, and again, it, it kind of it, it kind of sucks that we can't just drop Cincinnati inside New Mexico because again, all of a sudden we have like what. Uh, uh, 13 of the schools somewhat regionally right. associated and then West Virginia, Cincinnati, and UCF are kind of on an Island. Um, but ultimately I, I think things worked out about as good as it could for the big 12 um, and just kind of surviving after that UT and Oklahoma leaving. I, I think Brett Yormark has made the credit and Bob Bowlesby to his credit. Cause he was the one who brought you four in. Um, I think that all the correct decisions have been made ever since that moment. Yeah. And, and I, I think I would agree with that too. Like it's in in this moment, like if the PAC 12 dissolves and it's starting to fall apart, of course, um, you know, I was kind of saying this, I think the, the pin in the grenade coming out was obviously uh, Colorado. I mean, the, the whole thing was you're, it was foiled the second that UCLA and USC decided to go. But uh, Colorado doing that just basically set forward motion to the rest of the ship sinking. Um, and, and I think if you're your mark in that situation, if you're the Big 12, you want to solidify, you want to be legitimate, you have to prove yourself. And the way that you prove yourself is saying, we're going to add some more teams and we're going to do the best quality teams that we can get. Um, and of course, you know, Oregon and Washington going to the Big 10, I think makes sense for them. That that conversation's been, been had since UCLA and USC left, but... Ultimately, I think it puts everybody in a better position, and I am really excited for um, you know the future of the conference. I'm curious to see if your mark decides to expand anymore. Personally, I don't think we should. I think we should just kind of be content for a bit. There isn't any reason. There's nobody pressing the throttle that's saying like, "Hey, I mean, the, what what's the legitimacy for your conference?" I think everybody respects that now, and there's sort of that power five has, you know, we in the American love to call that. Uh, formerly the American loved to call that the power six and include ourselves as much as possible, albeit, you know, kind of a joke. I, I think going into the power five now dissolving into the sort of power four, which realistically nobody's looking at the ACC and being like, well, that's a power conference too. You've got three main contenders now. And, and so being the future of that and being a little bit more lock steady, uh, it's great. And it's nice to be a part of a team that actually, uh, uh, is on the right side of the fence for once, like ever. Uh, that's that's been a long time coming. Um, as far as uh, more Kansas State specific items here, um, I've got a. I've Steve gave me a question for you, and he wanted to have this answered. Is Willie weird? So I never thought that <laughs> growing up, uh, and, and it really wasn't until like the last few years on Twitter where people are like clowning on him for just having like a big old wildcat head and a human body <laughs> truthfully never once was like, Oh wow. That, that is kind of weird. Um, sure. But, but it doesn't <laughs> bother me. I mean, 
he he can uh, dunk a basketball. He can spear a guy at, at midfield and give him a seizure, uh, and then that <laughs> tradition goes away. Uh, yeah, that, that's the, there's some fun read. There, there's some really fun YouTube videos. Uh, Sounds like we have to find a link for that. Yeah, Willie. <laughs> I, I don't think the one where the kid had the seizure uh, is on the internet. I think that yeah. got wiped away. But he used to just run full speed and spear, uh, you know, someone dressed up in the opposing team's jersey at midfield uh, before the game started. It was awesome. It was electric. Sounds like a um, good time. <laughs> yeah, it was. And, and like, would it make more sense if he had like a full furry body? Yeah, probably. But I mean, he's our kind of cat human hybrid. So <laughs> he's not a furry, folks. What is EMA? That was a big question that honestly, I did not know the answer to uh, until a little while ago. I did put out a question uh, very recently. I wish I would have thought of this earlier today, but what does EMA stand for? Uh, wrong answers only. So far, the only answers were uh, excited men and women and even moms are watching. So what does it actually stand for? Yeah, so uh, the acronym is Every Man a Wildcat, but really it's, it's, a, it's a lifestyle. It, it really is kind of, it's more than, uh, than just the acronym. It just kind of like it encompasses uh, kind of the, the rabid part of K-State's fan base. Like, are you an EMA? Like, you know, it, it's like, okay, you know, it, you could be a little calm. You're not an EMA. No, you're, you're, <laughs> you're, you're a shirt tuck is, is kind of like what we, what <laughs> we say, Hey, you're, you're tucking your, your polo in and wearing the belt and all that type of stuff, which I do now, but I, I have that kind of rabidness, but, but, yeah. the, but the, uh, the, the, the acronym is every man, a wildcat. There used to be a big banner in a Hearn field house that said that. And um, I don't know who first coined it. I don't know when it first came into the lexicon, but uh, it's just an acronym for the phrase, every man, a wildcat. Good to know that that represents the diehard space of the culture. So that is now, in the in my radar, and I can lock that one in. Um, spe speaking specifically, uh, I want to trail back here real quick. You mentioned Bob Huggins, uh, and of course, Bob Huggins had a very, very, very short tenure uh, with Kansas State, and a little bit of a pit stop before making his way eventually over to West Virginia, coming out of Cincinnati. Um, I'm curious, how do Kansas State fans remember, recall Bob Huggins being there? Um, because there were Cincinnati fans who actually like bought K-State gear because they were such big Bob Huggins fans. And I don't know if you're familiar with this, but like in Cincinnati, there were people who still are not off the Bob Huggins high. Like, I mean, it, he changed their lives. He is there. Like they have shrines to him and I, I don't get it. I mean, I understand it, but like move on. What does K-State remember of that? Yeah. So, I mean, he, he, he single-handedly, uh, him and Delonte Hill and, uh, definitely no other sketchy means brought K-State <laughs> basketball back with one recruiting class. Now, Bob Huggins didn't get to coach any of them, um, but, you know, it was him, you know, doing the, you know, off season of no NCAA restrictions, recruiting and having Delonte Hills set up to bring in Michael Beasley. He was the point guy to get, uh, you know, Bill Walker in. Again, at one point you had Kevin Love and Gilbert Arenas, you know, verbally committed as well. Uh, you have the future greatest Wildcat of my lifetime, Jacob Poland, in that recruiting class as well. And it all was put together by Bob Huggins and his staff. And then he even came in and he got some 
you know, grad transfers back when that was the only way you could be immediately eligible mm-hmm. and elevated the guys that were left over from the Jim Woldridge era and should have had us in the NCAA tournament. You know, his one year was the first ever time in Big 12 history where a team won 20 games in the regular season, won 10 conference games, and finished fourth in the conference and got left out of the NCAA <laughs> tournament. Um, so he 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 had that one great se- or good season. Uh, I remember going to the NIT games, which we hosted in Bramlage, and it was an electric atmosphere. Um, and then immediately after when he left, I, I think he was a bit of a pariah. I, folks were burning their Huggyville shirts and all that <laughs> type of stuff. But when the recruiting class stuck together, when Frank Martin hit the ground running, I think any animosity for the most part for probably 85% of the fan base went away. Uh, He was always cheered very loudly when he came back. Uh, I remember he gave Frank Martin a commemorative ball because maybe he had just won his hundredth game or something when they played a neutral site in West uh, in Wichita, Kansas before uh, they joined the big 12 and they put together a nice little tribute video to him before tip off uh, for his induction to the college basketball hall of fame before the game last year. So I think Bob Huggins probably has uh, probably not anyone having shrines to him, but he's still a very (laughs) well was a very well loved figure in Manhattan. I think a lot of K-State fans really wish he wouldn't have gone on live radio and said some of the things he said. As we all uh, do here in Cincinnati yes, as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and I think we all want him to get the help he needs because uh, he is an alcoholic despite what his daughter says on Facebook. Right. Um, and we, we want him to be health, healthy and happy and live a very long life. Uh, but I don't think anyone hates him. But I do think it's like, all right, you know, no one's going to walk around puffing their chests out singing his praises probably for right. another year or so. We're going to kind of <laughs> let it lay. But uh, overall, very positive memories of the one year of Bob Huggins. And and so, you know, you kind of met, you tapped on there too um, with talking about sort of the success of basketball, um, you know, turning things around, kind of getting to a, a nice point in time where you guys are sitting at currently. Uh, you know, you're coming off of a few seasons of uh, meh. And then all of a sudden you get this guy who I didn't have on my radar as much, uh, who, who's, you know, an assistant head coach or an assistant coach, uh, associate head coach under Baylor for about two decades. Not really on the scene as much in my mind. Immediately takes over at K-State. And next thing you know, like, I mean, the arenas are rocking. I, I remember seeing videos of of that arena just going crazy. And I was like, not going to lie, I didn't really know K-State was like this. And, and so and it's it's crazy to see that turnaround. And so what has it been like under Jerome Tang? And, and what's the future look like under him as well? I mean, it was a much quicker turnaround than I anticipated. Um, the Bruce Weber era some some of the highest highs and also the worst three-year stretch in K-State basketball history. Um, so he turned it around quicker than anyone thought. And uh, I, I've said this on my show probably three or four times at this point. I think when you combine the trajectory of K-State football and K-State basketball, there's never been a time where the the combined programs are on as hot a trajectory. I, mm-hmm. I think Jerome Tang will be the man to bring a national title to Manhattan, Kansas. 
Um, he is going to break an ungodly long elite eight losing streak. Um, it's stupid. I think we've lost eight straight in the elite wow. eight and the last four, we were the, the better seed. Um, it, it, it's wild. It, 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 it should, it should not be that hard to get back to a final four. Um, Tell but us he's going to be, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he he's going to be the man to do it. Um, I have no doubt about it. And I, I truly believe he'll be the man to, uh, you know, win a national title for K state. And, uh, it, I don't think it's going to be next year, I, I but I think it'll happen like hopefully before I die. Uh, <laughs> you know, I probably need to get back on the Peloton a little bit more and eat a little bit less bacon to make sure I can, you know, see, see said national title. But I truly believe he will be the man to bring a national title to Manhattan, Kansas. And, and that's a very fair point, too. Like, I, I look at the way that that program turned around like overnight and, and it takes. It's one thing to do that for a team that plays in any middle of the pack conference in basketball. It's another thing to do that in the big 12, which is the premier basketball conference. I mean, I think the only, the only conference that really has an argument for that would honestly be maybe the big East who has been, you know, putting up some numbers as much as we hate to say that in Cincinnati, they are very good there. It is a quality conference. Um, and, and as well too, I think like the ACC is definitely up there, but I think now, again, not to jump back to realignment, but you add Arizona, you add you add so many of these other teams into this conference that just boost this basketball resume, boost this basketball history. This conference is the premier conference, and I don't think there's any doubt about it. There's no question about that going forward. And so I, I think that that's a really exciting point in time. Um, and, and I think that, you know, I, personally, like I thought K-State was going to the Final Four. I had them in my Final Four. I mean, I, I everything looked rock steady. Like it, it just made sense. Like they they turned around, they won some of the big games at the right time, um, and they had a head full of steam. And it, it was a lot of fun to watch them. And so I'm excited to watch them too. Um, you know, coming up this next season, I'm trying to remember. I'd have to look at it again. I think we guy we have you guys at home this year, um, but I don't think we have a home and home. I'd have to I'd have to look at that again. Now, it's been a minute. Since we're, it's just in Cincinnati. That's what I thought. Um, but regardless, you know, it, it's an exciting time, clearly, to be a K-State fan. And, and so I wanted to jump over here to uh, football as well. So, again, everything's kind of hitting on all cylinders. You guys uh, had a fantastic season, stole one away from TCU, number three TCU, right at the end of the season. Big 12 championship game um, makes a lot of noise. And so from this season, you know, what do you take away from that? And what do you look to going forward? Uh, the takeaway is K-State is capable of playing with just about anyone in the country. Uh, again, we were up 10-3 uh, on Alabama uh, and had a pass that was just inches away from going in at halftime, 17-10. to 10. Um, You know, it, it, it didn't work out, and then they uh, dog-walked us in the final – one minute of the first half <laughs> and the entire second half. Um, but, you know, you, you played with them for, you know, 28 minutes. Um, you, you beat TCU. Um, should, could, honestly, should have beat TCU twice. Should have won yeah. in uh, Fort Worth if it wasn't for a bunch of injuries. And, and it just kind of sets me up to think that K-State has the opportunity to be playing that first Saturday in Arlington 
uh, just about every year. Now, is it going to work out like that? No, that that's they don't recruit well enough to be a perennial team like Oklahoma ran the conference for the better part of two decades. Um, but they have the coaching staff and they recruit well enough uh, that the development that they have in Manhattan, that they can be a big 12 player and they can be a team that's in the 12 team playoff, maybe wins a first round game. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say, Oh, you know, they're going to win a national title. No, I, I think that the gaps in college football uh, are to the point where if you're not, you know, doing the 247 blue chip ratio above 50%, I believe in that. I, and I don't think K state is going to recruit that well. Um, but who knows things could change. Um, but, but I do think that they could be a team that could contend for 10 wins every season, get to Arlington, uh, any season. And and I don't foresee any year uh, where K-State comes in with Chris Klein and says, our ceiling is not Arlington. I, I don't see a, oh, the ceiling's only seven wins this year, as long as Chris Kleiman's here. Right. And, and I think this is a really interesting, you know, time for K-State too, because you're getting hot at the right time. You know, you've got Texas and Oklahoma going out the door. Um, I am a firm believer. I, we're not, we haven't, we're not one day, officially into the big 12 stepping on a field yet we're of course officially in but not on a field yet and i can't tell you how many times i've done the horns down i don't believe in it i just don't believe in it i really don't they're selling crack i'm not buying it and i i just every single year texas finds a way to just not be not be back and, and i don't understand it and i don't see how oklahoma comes off of where they were last year and does an immediate turnaround and it's just like yep they're the team to beat like Oklahoma, Texas. Yep. They're the team to beat. I, I think there's a lot of legitimacy to K state, a lot of legitimacy to TCU to Texas tech to some of these teams that, you know, have come up at the right time. And honestly, I really hope they beat the shit out of them. I, I hope that Texas and Oklahoma fall down the ring and say, you know, kiss my ass on the way out the door. Like that's, that's what I think says your conference is strong and thanks for all you did, Texas and Oklahoma, but we don't need you anymore. And honestly, like that's, that's, I think the exciting part. And so I am with the train of the rest of the big 12. We in Cincinnati are with the train of the rest of the big 12. We don't have any ill will towards Oklahoma, but we want to beat them and Texas. We don't believe in them. See you later. So hopefully we're propping up you guys. If it can't be us, because if it can't be us, we're waiting for somebody else. Who's new, who's going to knock at that door and be ready at the end of the season. Um, I got one last question for you before we go out. We got three and a half minutes. Uh, again, we're still on the free Zoom here, folks. That's how we work. K-State, it's an hour and a half or so out of Kansas City, right? So, yep. You're, you're a third-generation K-State fan. Does this make you a Chiefs fan? Yeah, so I'm actually so in my we're gonna hold on. We're gonna have to cut basement. for the rest of the episode. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. I'm I'm actually in my parents' basement, Topeka. I'm I'm uh, dog sitting uh, for them. They're, they're in Italy. I'm looking at uh, some Chiefs Super Bowl champion oh. jerseys from Patrick Mahomes. Ugh. A framed picture with oh, an AFC Championship scored twenty three to twenty with some confetti. Oh yeah, so. Uh, see, this is why I didn't want to stretch into this range because I knew I, I, I just knew that you were going to be a chiefs fan. And I was going to actually met at a chiefs game, like back when they were trash. So I you went, are uh, the product of, of a chiefs game. 
Yeah, I, I am. Uh, they spent their first full married day at a Chiefs uh, game. I think I was born on the day before a Chiefs Pittsburgh Steelers playoff game, which we lost. Um, I, I was I was a Chiefs fan way before I would. I went on a uh, date with a girl to the uh, field goal game where we kicked like 15 field goals and lost to the Steelers 16 to 15 in a playoff game. So uh, I, I have plenty of heartbreak as a Chiefs fan. So I'm going to just soak up all the, uh, you know, villain of the NFL, uh, you know, all that type of stuff. But hey, Travis Kelsey, he's a Bearcat. I well, mean, come yeah, on yeah. now. We'll, we'll, we'll take it. We'll take it. I mean, and it's nice to see somebody succeeding at that level. You guys um, are going to be pumped fun. when you see him sitting courtside at Allen Fieldhouse and in Bramlage rocking Bearcat stuff yes. right there on the floor. So that exactly, I, I think, <laughs> I think you're going to see that, you know, every other season he'll, he'll be in Allen Fieldhouse one year, Bramlage Coliseum the next. Yeah. And I think that this is, you know, it, it's a, it's definitely a fun time to be a Bengals fan, which I have not really had the privilege of saying much of the entirety of my life. Uh, but it's fun to be a Bengals fan. It's a good time to be a Chiefs fan as well. Um, and, and I'm excited to watch these teams battle it out, you know, over the next few years, because it looks like that's going to be the way it is. Um, so unfortunate to find out that you're a Chiefs fan, but understandable. Um, we've got about a minute left. So I have one question for you that's going to send us out. Where's Cincinnati on your list in the Big 12 this year when it comes to football? Where's K-State? I I did vote in the preseason media poll. I was one of the handful of folks that voted K-State number one. Was not going to vote Texas, uh, even though they are the most talented. I had Cincinnati at 12. With all the stuff going on at Iowa State, I would have them at at least 11. But anywhere from like seven down to 11. I include you guys in there. Anything could happen. It wouldn't surprise me if you guys only won like one or two big 12 games, or if you guys were going to a bowl game, uh, it's going to be a wild big 12 season. I can't wait for it. And I can't wait for my trip to Nipper, whether it's next season, the following season, whenever it's on the schedule, I'm going to be there. Perfect. Well, it's probably going to cut us off here, but thanks for joining us, man. It was a pleasure to have you on go K state, go Bearcats. See you later. Well, that was Scott of Bosco's boys. Thank you guys for tuning into this week's episode and the third stop of the Big 12 Truck Stop Trail. Please be sure to like, follow, subscribe, do all the things. Uh, we're trying to build this thing up here, so we appreciate all the support you guys can give us. Again, thank you guys for coming back this week and be in tuned for stop number four, which we have coming up next week. We don't know where we're going yet, but we'll find out soon. Sports Social Podcast Network.